Ready? Good job. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation. We're going to look at the opening of the second seal. We're really getting into the thick of things here as far as things to come. Revelation 6, verse 3. Lord Jesus is opening, you remember the seals on this scroll that John saw in heaven. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Historically, a lot of people have read this, and uh, at first glance, you see this taking peace from the earth and people killing one another, and what do you think of? What's it, what does it look like a picture of? Any, any guesses? War. War, that's right. And yet, uh, if you compare it with other scriptures, and you look at the way the Lord detailed it here, and uh, think about the way the world is going nowadays, I think you'll agree with me that he's talking about something quite different here. You see, in other uh, prophetic scriptures, when God is talking about war, that's what he says. He, he uses the term war. Jesus talked about wars and rumors of war. He talked about nation rising against nation. He doesn't say that here. What he says is that people will kill one another. Now, if you com- compare this with other passages about the um, world situation in the last times, you'll realize that what he's describing here is something, in a sense, more chilling and more terrifying than war. One of the words we'll use for it is anarchy. Anarchy. It's a terrible thing when anarchy comes to a country. In fact, that's what it is, really, in the, in the original. It's anomia, literally, no law. And uh, the word that you see in other prophetic scriptures uh, it should be translated lawlessness. Lawlessness. When anarchy or lawlessness hits a country, it's a terrible thing because uh, you don't have, it's not war where people in uniform shoot other people in uniform, which is bad enough. You have ordinary people killing ordinary people. And it's terrifying. You know, you and I sit around in the comfort of our homes and and, uh, we're used to basically being safe in our homes on the streets. What he's describing here is the taking away of that situation on a worldwide scale. People will kill one another. It relates to the other passages where God says he is going to remove the restrainer. You see, we have not seen what Man is capable of in his sinful state. God has held back sin. People always say, if there is such a God of love, why is there so much evil in the world? Good night. It's going to get worse, you see. There, there would be a lot less, more evil in the world if God permitted it. And in the last seven years of the history of planet Earth, he's going to permit it to happen. He is going to remove peace from the earth And you see, he doesn't make people kill one another. He's not responsible for it. 
when he removes that straining influence, people will do what they would have naturally tended to do had he not stopped them. People have this uh, image, I think it's helped by books and movies about the end times, you know, uh, and they have this picture somehow that in the last seven years, uh, going into the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half, that basically things are going to be pretty much like they are now. You, know, you, you see pictures, you know, people going to work, staying at home, watching TV, you know, and when they hear about these uh, events, it's like they see it on a news station or something, and it happens someplace else in the world. It's not going to be like that. And as you walk out today and you see people going about their everyday affairs, giving no thought to God, realize that is not the way it's going to be. God is not going to permit this to continue. The party will be over. People will no longer be permitted to exclude God from their thoughts. They are going to be conscious that God is at work for seven long years. And it's going to be a day-to-day reminder. As, he say, as people say in the end of this chapter, the day of His wrath has come. It's going to be a, a world of chaos. And here, really, to me, this is one of the most chilling aspects of the tribulation. Not uh, the fireballs coming out of heaven or the famines or the earthquakes, but the turning loose, if you will, of man upon man. Look back now at Second Thessalonians and we'll revisit this passage once again and, and you'll see that that is indeed what, what God is talking about. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Well, just look at one verse here. Verse 6. And now you know, or we'll look at two verses 7. And now you know what is restraining, this is verse 6, that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery, and here's that word, of lawlessness. Some of you have iniquity. The word there is anomia, literally lawlessness. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The mystery of lawlessness. Mystery, again, remember, it's not a uh, whodunit. Mystery in the Scripture is something that is hidden, but which will or is now revealed. In this case, he says, the uh, lawlessness in the heart of man is it's already at work. We see it around us. And I'm going to read some statistics, read some events here. And I, you, probably, I, you probably know what I'm going to read about that shows that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. This uh, unbridled violence from the human heart. But he says, you ain't seen nothing yet. To use an old expression. When the restrainer, when the Holy Spirit ceases holding back the evil in the heart of man, then it's going to be revealed. Then the lawlessness, the anomia, the anarchy of, of uh, the heart of man is going to be turned loose. Look back at Matthew 24. The Lord Jesus talks about lawlessness in the last days. And again, in a chilling fashion. Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus says this, And because lawlessness, there's that word again, will abound... The love of many will grow cold. Wow. 
Lawlessness will abound, he says. It's going to be worldwide. We, we, here in the United States, we're used to reading about this taking place in other countries, you know, uh, Rwanda, Albania, Yugoslavia, Indonesia, where the society, the government collapses, and ordinary people are running around on the streets with guns and rifles, shooting their neighbors and killing them. And we're horrified to see it. But we're just seeing rumblings of the last days, of what it's going to be like. And Jesus says, the, the love of many will grow cold. People will lose their sense of mercy and compassion, which was put there by God. It's going to be gone. No mercy. No compassion. The last uh, seven years in the uh, Bible, particularly the last three and a half, uh, are called something in the Bible. They have a, a name. It's called the Day of the Lord. You see, it's going to be His day. Think about it. Right now, in, particularly in this country, people don't think about God. They don't care about God. Romans 1, not wishing to retain God in their thoughts. Isn't that true? Is that right? No. And God's going to put an end to that. People are going to be aware of God. It's going to be a, a time when it's His day, the Lord's day, the day of the Lord. He is going to intervene in human affairs in such a way that people will not be able to turn away from it. We... Uh, we take for granted, I'll, I'll never forget, I've, I've told you this before, one of the ladies that got saved in the early days of Calvary Bible Chapel told about an incident one night when she was tucking her child into bed. And uh, he was worried. You know, kids, kids sometimes will get this sense of insecurity. You know, he, he was worried what would happen if um, something happened to mommy and daddy. You know, where would he be? And she tried to console him and, and let him know, you know, that... Uh, uh, there would be someone to take care of him. Well, anyway, he went, he went through um, various levels of comfort zones and finally got to the, country, the government of the United States. And uh, she, she said, I told him, well, don't worry, you know, this government's stable. We're a, we're a secure country here. She said, but I realize in my own heart that I can't, I can't guarantee that to him. And that was really one of the things that got her seeking the Lord when she realized that her life isn't as all, all as secure as she thought it was. But uh, I'll tell you, our society, our government, is a lot, a lot more fragile than we think it is, people. Uh, it would not take much to turn this country upside down. In fact, uh, we almost got brought to our knees when we had a couple of natural disasters in one year. Uh, there was a big earthquake, the big fires in Oakland, and then there was a big hurricane that year. And we almost went bankrupt trying to cover them. And those were all, when you think about it, they were minor compared to what you're seeing in the book of Revelation. It's going to be a small thing for God to uh, overturn societies and governments throughout the world. And chaos, anarchy is going to break out. Combine that with the removing of the restraint on the human heart. This is not a place you're going to want to be, let me tell you, in this world. You see, but why are you thinking about this? And I know it sounds black and it's terrible, but God says it here. You need to realize, God, this is just. God must do this. 
not only in judging in the earth, but at, at, for the first time, showing people what they're really like. You know, we've been getting away as, as a people. We're saying, you know, well, we're basically good, you know. We can get to God on our own terms. That's a lie. And God's going to strip away that facade, that, that phoniness, and uh, manifest the human heart for what it's really like. Finally, look at uh, Luke 21. And here Jesus gives us just a glimpse of what it's going to be like in, in uh, characterizing how people are going to be feeling during that time. Uh, Luke 21, verse 25, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear. This is worldwide and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. You see, this is not a picture of business as usual. The way we're, we, we see it around us right now, with people going about their daily duties, ignoring God, pretending God is not there. It ain't going to be like that. People will be weakened from fear as they go through the uh, birth pangs of planet earth as the Lord Jesus prepares to return and take up his rightful rule. Well, we saw in uh, 2 Thessalonians that, that verse, it really, it really applies today, doesn't it? The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Don't we see it? I uh, spent a little time on the web last night just gathering some uh, statistics here. And uh, I'll tell you, it's the talk of the town in our country today, isn't it? The, the, the increase in violence. People, ordinary people killing ordinary people. That's the thing that really is bothering our country today. Uh, probably the best example is school violence. I remember uh, in early in the, the 1990s, I think it was 1992, when the first school shooting uh, really grabbed the national attention. It was here in California. It was out in the Central Valley. And I remember at that time, the whole nation was shocked. They were shocked that children would be shooting children. Remember that? I, and now, I mean, it's like every week. And as the years have gone by, uh, people have asked questions. You know, they're, they're trying to get to the bottom, but why is this happening? They're trying to understand it. And uh, it's become, how should I put it, a plague, you know, a regular occurrence in our country, school shootings. Listen to this litany that, if you'll notice, it increases as the years go by. February 2nd, 1996, Moses Lake, Washington, a 14-year-old student turned an assault rifle on his algebra class, killing two classmates and a teacher. February 19, 1997, Bethel, Alaska. A 16-year-old student opens fire with a shotgun at Bethel High School. The school principal and a classmate are killed. Two other students are wounded. 
Next year, October 1st, 97, Pearl, Mississippi. A 16-year-old kills his mother, then goes to school and shoots nine students, killing two of them. December 1st, a month later, a 14-year-old student opens fire on a student prayer circle in a hallway at Heath High School. He killed three students and wounded five others. You know, before these happened, we, we couldn't imagine things like this going on. The, 16 years old, 14 years old. March 24, 1998, two boys aged 11 and 13 opened fire with rifles on classmates in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, they killed four girls and a teacher and wounded 11 others. April 24th, the very next month, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, a 14-year-old boy fatally shot a teacher and wounded two students in an 8th grade class. May 19th, the month after that, Fayetteville, Tennessee, a high school senior shot and killed another student in a school parking lot at Lincoln County High School. Two days later in Springfield, Oregon, Thurston High School, a 15-year-old boy who had been expelled for carrying a gun to school, opened fire with a semi-automatic rifle in the cafeteria, killing two students and wounding 25 others. He had already shot his mother and father to death the day before. April 20th, 1999, Littleton, Colorado. 15 people killed by two students. May 20th, the next month, at Heritage High School in Conyers, Georgia, a 15-year-old sophomore opens fire, wounding six classmates. November 20th of the same year, a 13-year-old girl at Deming Middle School is dead after being shot by a classmate in the school's lobby. A month later, December 6th, Oklahoma, a 13-year-old boy fires a 9-millimeter semi-automatic handgun, wounding four classmates. Finally this year, it's continuing, February 29th, Mount Morris Township, Michigan, a six-year-old girl, remember that, was shot to death in her classroom Tuesday by a first-grade six-year-old classmate. March 11th, a few months ago, 19-year-old was arrested after the shooting deaths of two people and the wounding of another at a high school dance. May 11th, this month, a seventh grader um, left school in a rage was confronted by a police officer whom he shot with a shotgun. May 19th, just a week ago, two 12-year-old boys who planned to shoot two classmates and anyone who got in their way at their middle school in San Antonio, Texas, were arrested. The authorities confiscated a 25 caliber, caliber a semi-automatic pistol, a 22 caliber rifle, a crossbow with two arrows, a knife, ammunition, and cash. And just this last week, a seventh grader who had been sent home by an assistant principal for throwing water balloons in class rode his bicycle back to school about two hours later with a semi-automatic pistol. When a teacher told him to leave, he pulled out the gun and shot the teacher in the head, killing him. This is just a few days ago. More than half of the nation's schools reported incidents of violence for the 1996-97 school year. More than half. That's according to a new report by the National Center for Education Statistics. That's a four-year-old report. I wonder what it's like now. A few weeks ago, on the one-year anniversary of the Columbine shooting, a Wall Street Journal NBC News poll found that 70% of Americans believe that a school shooting could occur in their own community. We have... Uh, developed uh, a new term in our vocabulary here in this country. Really, it's a, it's a combining of two words that don't 
you never would have thought would go together. One of the words is spree. You know what a spree is? Generally, it's been associated with having fun. You know, or doing something I like, and a lot of it. That's a spree. You ever you heard that word before? One of the, one of the uh, expressions that's used in is a shopping spree, for example. We're going on a shopping spree? Well, there's a new phrase that's, that's uh, really uh, invaded our vocabulary in the last decade. It's called a shooting spree. You heard that phrase? It's in the headlines just about every day now. Here is uh, just a list. This doesn't even a, uh, cover a year, a period of a year. We'll start in July of last year. July 4th, through Illinois and Indiana, a man went on a shooting spree. In Indiana, in Illinois, killed two people, wounded nine others. You see, this is, I'm I'm, uh, referring to these particular crimes because they are illustrative of what the world is going to be like worldwide. People will be killing one another. As police closed in on him, the gunman shot himself. Same month, July 29th, you remember this one, the day trader who went wild in uh, Atlanta? Killed nine people and shot 13 others. Here in uh, Los Angeles, just last August, a man attacked a Jewish community center. Remember that? Shot a bunch of kids. Went out and killed a a postal worker before he was caught. At the prayer meeting in Fort Worth, Texas, September, just a few months ago, uh, some teens were praying at a Baptist youth rally. A young man emerged from a hallway began randomly firing at the worshipers in their pews. Seven were killed and seven wounded. In Honolulu, in November, a Xerox repairman killed seven co-workers. This has become another phenomenon. Uh, one of the safe havens beside their home, people thought, was a workplace. And now, uh, all over the, the uh, country and the world, people are dying on their job because uh, a co-worker got upset because he didn't get a raise or he got fired. That was a similar situation up in uh, Seattle. The very next day after the, the Hawaii incident, a man opened fire at the North Lake shipyard, killing two men and wounding two others. He was angry because of terminated disability benefits. December 30th, a hotel employee opened fire at his workplace, killing four co-workers, then killing another person in an attempted hijacking, car- carjacking. In uh, March this year, Pardon me, April 26, a 16-year-old was arrested after a shooting spree at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. I think you remember that. Seven people were wounded. Uh, March 1st, let me go back. Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania, a man went on a shooting rampage at his apartment and two fast food restaurants, killing three men and critically wounding two others. April 18th, a man killed two elderly women at a uh, rest home. April 28th, Salt Lake City, man went on a shooting spree, killed two people, wounded three others. He was attempting to steal a car. Just last week, you heard about the shooting in Queens, in New York. Uh, they, two men robbed a Wendy's and uh, tied up all seven employees who were there at closing time, put them face down on the floor and shot them all in the head. Five died, one is near death now. One survived as a witness. This is shocking, the nation. People are shocked. You know that, don't you? Don't you, don't you hear it talked about? I do. Neighbors, people in the workplace. It's upsetting people. 
And the, the, the typical remark is, I don't understand it. How can this be happening? And yet, you know, uh, these, these, this is nothing compared to what's been going on in other countries. What God is talking about here is, is complete anarchy. These are, these are isolated crimes. These are just, uh, this is the mystery of lawlessness at work. In the country of, of Rwanda, there were 800,000 people killed. And this wasn't in a war. These were neighbors killing neighbors. Hutus killing Tutsis. Yugoslavia. Bosnia, Herzegovina. Don't these names ring bells? It still hasn't stopped yet. Croatia, Serbia, Kosovo. We don't know how many. Tens of thousands to possibly hundreds of thousands. And it's, I'm not going to read the details. It would not be suitable. Neighbors killing neighbors. You know, they live next to each other. Story after story. I live next door to this guy all my life. And he went and killed the guy down the street. Right now in Indonesia, it's going on. It hasn't stopped. It's been going on for a couple of years now. Complete anarchy. Muslims uh, conducting a jihad against the Christians in the country. So far, 5,000 people have been killed. And again, it's the story of a neighbor killing a neighbor. Well, you knew the, you knew the uh, stories before I told them, but it's something to see them compiled together. And that's not an exhaustive list. People are seeking answers. Why? Here we live in a world, uh, an advanced civilization, advanced technology. And yet, we're a nation that's filled with unspeakable violence and cruelty. And here, as you know, uh, people are seeking a place to blame. Violence on TV, violence in the movies, violent music, guns. People refuse to accept what God says. That what we're seeing is the basic sinfulness of the human heart. That's it. Isn't it? God has said it all along. But we refuse. That's the one direction that we refuse to turn and acknowledge. You see, this, this country, this world is ripe for the end times. We have excluded God in all of his statements from our thoughts. People in studying these school shootings hope to find monsters in the student killers, you know, uh, perverts, abnormal kids. You know what they find? Ordinary kids. That's the chilling thing. Ordinary people. Last week, this kid that uh, shot his teacher in Florida, he's an honor student, he's popular, he's friendly. It was the last kid they thought would do something like that. And as people shrink back in horror at the deeds of others, God wants them to shrink back in horror at the sinfulness of their own hearts. Jesus said, you have heard it said that whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever hates his brother is in danger of judgment. Jesus said that. You see, we think there's an infinite gap between the person that goes out and gets a gun and, and shoots somebody, but it's okay, and we've all done it, you know, to be angry or jealous or spiteful towards somebody in our heart. 
as long as we don't do anything about it. And everybody here at some point in their life, probably more than once, has entertained the thought, you know, this world would be a better place if that person were just not here. Huh? Uh Uh-huh. And we think there's an infinite gap between the two. Jesus said, "Mm mm-mm, they're the same. You see. And who knows how many times it's merely by the grace of God that when you entertained that thought, he kept you back from acting on that thought. And God the Holy Spirit is holding back that act, but he won't for long. And there'll be a time when he'll stop holding it back. And he will take peace from the earth. And as it says in Revelation 6, people will be killing one another. God has these words in the Bible here as a warning to you and to me. You see. Don't see the blackness of other people's hearts. You know, don't look at the headlines and say, boy, how can people be like that? Turn it inside. You may be sitting here this morning and saying, I'm no killer. That's not me. I'm going to shock you by saying, every person in this room is responsible for the death of another person. Does that shock you? Every person in this room is responsible for the death of another person. Do you know that? You know who it is? Yeah, it's Jesus. That's right. If you want to see the proof, the evidence, the result of what you're like, then look at the cross where God's own dear Son is suffering and dying in agony. Let's not talk about how He's dying for the world. Let's think about you. It's, it's a, not a pretty sight, is it? And God says, look at it, because that's you. That's your sin. My son is dying because of what you have done and are doing. You're a criminal. That's a harsh statement, isn't it? That's what God says. You know, the Bible word is sin, but the meaning is lawbreaker. And you're desperately in need of help. And you won't get it until you see that not the world put Jesus there, but you. Keep looking at the cross. If you get to that point and you uh, see and you realize and you believe, yes, it was me that put Jesus there, keep looking. God wants you to keep looking. Because there's good news in all of that, believe it or not. Because in the death that he died, Jesus wasn't a victim. He was there dying willingly. He knew what he was doing. And as he suffered and died for all your angry thoughts and deeds and selfishness and lies and all of it, he got what you deserved so that you could be forgiven. about the cross, God says that because of the cross he can be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. He can be just on the cross. God was the judge. All that blackness of your heart, of my heart, 
was taken into account on the cross. He was just. Whatever I deserve, whatever you deserve, look at the cross. That's what it is. But Jesus took it, you see. He was just. And now on the basis of that, He can be the justifier. You know what that means? That's a wonderful word in the Bible. Justify, it means to declare righteous. Because of that, when I trust in Jesus Christ, He says, on the basis of what my Son has done, you're righteous. Your sins are washed away. You're white as snow. We began with a pretty depressing topic. We've been talking about it. But isn't it wonderful that out of the ashes, there's some good that can come. And in the death of His Son, God can save our souls. Praise His name. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it's true. And Father, we thank You for the cross of Your Son. Oh, what a work was there. When we first see it and understand it, Lord, it's not a pretty picture. Because I see myself and what I deserved. And I see Jesus taking it for me. But then, suddenly the picture becomes the most beautiful picture in the world as I realize He did it because He loved me. And He did it to save me. Lord, we ask for anyone here who has not turned to Jesus, that they might do so. See in the cross first their own crimes being punished. And then seeing in the cross their own forgiveness and salvation because of the love of Jesus. We ask it in His name. Amen.